I only know one way. That's the Padre way. I'm proud as heck to be a San Diego Padre. I played for one team. I played in one town. Smith is ready. Win waiting to pitch. There's a drive. Right center field. Base hit. And there it is. Ho-ho. Doctor. You can hang a star on that, baby. A star for the ages for Tony Gwynn. Number 3,000. This isn't going to last, right? Like the Padres are like the Padres are like Cinderella, right? And after after a while, I mean, we're only 16 games in. Yeah. So there's going to come a point in time where that carriage is going to turn into a pumpkin. Oh my god, bro. It's so miserable, man. It's insane. Andy cannot be any worse than he is right now. And welcome back everybody to the 5.5 podcast. I am your host Danny Ortiz alongside Eric Lebu as we enter the uh, Post Luis Arias era, Eric. Man, we're free falling, dude. <laughs> Last week's episode was literally named First Place Feels So Good. <laughs> and here we are. The The entire week, they didn't have a lead. No. They so didn't. they went from Sunday to yesterday, Easter Sunday, yeah. without having a lead. Yeah. They finally got their first lead. They had one lead. for a week. It was brutal. Dude, absolutely terrible. Absolutely terrible. I love that we had so the hard uh, to kiss watch. of death. Yeah, it's, it's back to the old, like... We're not getting guys on when we do get a guy on. Like, actually, you know, it's not even that. It's like we just weren't getting guys on. Yeah. It felt like the first part of the year. Well, I'd say like we've been so deep in it. The right. first part of the month, um, they would get guys on and they couldn't cash in. And then finally at the end, they just finally wore down the opposing team. Yeah. And then we'd score some runs. Whereas this game, like wherever that offense was, I think it's lucky, right? You can't keep playing catch up. Um, it died. <laughs> Yeah, it really did. We talked about the fire, and you brought up, like, how long can they hold it together? Well, apparently not past Monday. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, man. As soon as we mentioned it, it was the death knell. They're sitting right now at negative... They're they're one game above 500. They're 12 and 11. They're at negative 17 run differential, which, uh, at the time of our last podcast last week, they were minus three. Yeah. So that tells you how bad this last week has gone. Um, but yeah, not sustainable. We all we all kind of figured that wouldn't be sustainable. We were waiting for the wheels to fall off the bus, and uh, off the bus they fell, man. It's been really, really tough to I watch. I think the bus crashed and fell over a, a, a cliff yeah. in Del Mar, one it's, of those cliffs that is just eroding as we speak. It's been rough, dude. It has been. Now, to the Padres' credit, I don't think we ever expected them to be more than 500, so um, I think if they ended up going 82 and 80 or 81 and 81 i feel like we'd all be happy yeah of so course. maybe we got our hopes up a little bit um to start the season and we're going to touch on some good stuff well yeah I, an 11 and 5 start will do that yeah, yeah. You get your hopes up yeah what are they now 12 and 11 oh yeah. god 12 and 11 <laughs> but uh, we'll get into that i think the biggest what seems to be really divisive among uh, padres twitter as well as the biggest news is urias going down and more so than that um andy green who's usually under a bit of fire really coming under fire um, the last week, uh, specifically for a couple of comments he made, um, that uh, and I'm not I'm not saying these are not verbatim, but generally uh, speaking, that he claims Urias got consistent playing time. Which, if I'm not if I'm if I'm right, he got five or six starts in ten games worth of playing time, um, and that oh he couldn't find a rhythm and he looked like he was struggling in ten games and five or six starts. So the biggest. The biggest uh, issue with that seems to be that some Padre fans feel like, yeah, he struggled a lot. He needs to go down. And other Padre fans, I'm in this camp, are saying he's already hit 300 for his career in AAA in just shy of 600 plate appearances. Whatever he does down there that does work or that doesn't work up here doesn't seem to give him an issue. He actually got a double in his first at-bat back with the same leg kick. 
Yeah. So my argument is, as far as keeping the pro he needs to be playing every day at the major league level crowd, is that he's not going to learn to adjust to major league pitching by beating up on minor league pitching because he's already done that at this point. I don't think that's going to do him any good. The PCL isn't going to do him any favors. No. Numbers are so inflated in the PCL, and this is what our our beloved change the Padres, or uh, change the Chihuahuas, uh, David Marver. (laughs) Oh, is that what he changed his name to? Yeah. (laughs) So... Basically, uh, the PCL, everyone's raking, dude. Everyone's raking, yeah. and like we'll we'll talk about Ty France later. But well, it's they to changed the, point. the baseball. I don't know if you exactly. know that, but they they changed the baseball and minor league baseball. It's now the same ball as the major leagues. So. Exactly. So it's like, what are we expecting? Like we're gonna go down, dude. Urias is gonna go down there and hit like three fifty to three eighty, which I think the the league average for the PCL is three fifty right Good now. Grief. Like it's it's insane. It's insane. Um, or is it team team average? I think Marver put it out there. You guys can check him out. But, um, it's like. I don't know what they expect to see from Urias where they're like, okay, now he's ready. And it's it's just like, I, I don't know. I don't so much have an issue with him going down to play because I kind of have that same thought process for him that I do for Mejia. If they're going to rot on the bench, I want them to get every day at bats. I, I want them to get a chance to play every day and work through their work through their issues. And clearly, for one reason or another, that's not going to happen at the major league level because so, Andy Green doesn't want to give him that chance. So at that point, yeah, send him down to AAA. Let him figure it out. It's tw- I mean, he's 21 years old. I mean, this isn't the end of the road. I feel like no. some people have given up. They're like, oh, no, Urias, he's done. Like, he's a bust. He's completely overmatched. Maybe he is. And 10 Maybe games? Maybe he's not. But the way I see it is that he never got consistent playing time, ever. Like, his first game, his first game when he was called up, uh, it was basically announced that same day that he was going to be called up. He had to rush on a plane, go to San Francisco, and he gets that immediate start, of course. And he gets uh, five plate appearances, and he goes over five. So rough, rough game. But hey, you know what? There's a lot going on that day. Uh, hey, get your ass to San Francisco. You're starting at second base today. Okay, sure. He shows up, and it's a rough game, as expected. Next day, doesn't even doesn't even start. Doesn't even start. He gets a pinch hit opportunity late in the game. Guess what? He goes over one. So. It's just kind of like the thought process of Andy Green saying that he's got consistent at-bats or consistent playing time is crap. Like, it really is. He got more than four plate appearances one time in his entire time that he's been up there. And that was his first game uh, where, again, he was rushed. And then after that, I'm looking at I look at plate appearances because, I mean, at-bats, he can draw a walk or he can get hit or whatever. Um, he got four plate appearances twice. Yeah, I saw that. Four plate appearances twice, five plate appearances one time, and there is one, two, three, four times where he was used only as a pinch hitter. There was a couple times he got taken out early uh, in a double switch. So for Andy to come out and say like, "Oh, he's been giving, he's been, you know, he's had his opportunity," I mean, I think is technically, but not in a way. This is how they broke in Kyle Blanks. Remember when uh, Kyle Blanks came up? I want to say it was 2009. This is how Bud Black broke him in. Ride the pine. Learn the speed of the game, get some spot starts, get some pinch hit at bats. To me, I don't know what happened with Andy Green where last year he just said fuck it and ran Arias out there every single day at the leadoff hole until he hurt himself. And even Mejia was playing a lot, right? Um, you know, and batting in the two hole. I don't know where that went and why all of a sudden Arias is basically getting spot starts and they're kind of they're they're treating him like a utility player. He played yeah. third, he played short, he played second. You know, he's getting a spot start here, a spot start there. Whereas to me, like, if you're going to bring him up, if you're going to let him break camp in AAA, right? Like, he's not going to break camp with the team. You're going to re- you're gonna reassign him to AAA. And you're going to bring him up as quickly as they did. 
then give him every opportunity to succeed. Don't just run him out there for 10 games and five starts or six starts and two games with four at-bats or more and then send him back down. I look at like how they handle Fran Mill Rays. They gave Fran Mill every opportunity last year when he first came up. And he hit like 220 with I think like a 280 on base. Like He hit for some pop, but that was about it. They sent him down at the, towards the end of July, got brought back up the first, uh, first week of August, mm-hmm. and he just ran with it. But the difference is like... Franville lasted from May through like July until he, I mean, maybe there was a break in there, but from what I can tell, he played a lot. And then he came back in August and was just on a tear. Yeah. So, you know, Urias has already spent a full year in AAA. Franville hadn't. Franville had been hurt. He came back. He hit in AAA. They gave him a shot. They didn't like it. They made him, they sent him down to make an adjustment and they brought him back up and they ran with him again. With Urias, it's kind of like they don't know what to do with him at this point. It, it, it feels like they expect him to hit the ground running. And instead of just kind of letting him figure it out at the major league level, they're just kind of like, well, we'll send him back to AAA and see if that works. It, and, and it's probably not the case, but it feels like it's we don't know what's wrong with him. So we're just going to send him back to AAA as a shot in the dark because he's not hitting here and he's not playing anyways. Well, isn't that ignoring like a big chunk of player development comes at the major league level? Yeah, like, isn't the that last ignoring level that? of development. <laughs> like yeah. sending him down to AAA is just kind of like, hey, we're not going to give you this opportunity yet. Like I, I don't understand it, and I think the best, uh, the best comparison that I saw to that was uh, our pal Marcus Pond at Marcus SDTX when he said, "Oh, hey, you passed. What was it? You passed algebra, but you're not doing great in statistics. So we're gonna send you back to algebra." You know what I mean? I thought that was the best, dude, because like there's literally no better way to put it than that. Like, yeah, there really isn't. I, I feel like at this point, Andy's playing Kinsler because he legitimately thinks that he gives us the best chance to win based off of his prior record. And I think that, I think you, you mentioned like, okay, where did it come from last year where Urias got all his PT, Mejia got all his PT, and then this year it's just gone? I feel like bringing in Machado, starting the season with Tatis, starting the season with Paddock, I feel like Andy is in such win-now mode yeah, that he's just that sacrificing yeah. everything. He's sacrificing everything. And the development of Urias, he's sacrificing that by playing Kinsler every day. Like, at what point, you have to look at your, you have to look at your roster, you have to look at your lineup every day and just be like... This is not getting it done. Like we're wondering, oh, why aren't they scoring runs? Why aren't they scoring runs? Well, well we have three black holes. You have in a the black lineup. hole at second base. You have a black hole at first base. Uh, Hosmer looks like he's crawling out of it, which is Thank great. God. I love seeing that. But overall, black hole behind the plate. You have a black hole at second base. You have a black hole at first base. And you have a black hole on the mound as far as offensive. So that's four. That's that's like fifty percent of your lineup is nothing. And those you know, other so a lot guys, of these guys aren't the Latin players. I just wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, but no, you're right. It's it's four spots you get in zero production. Zero on. production. So of course that's not going to be sustainable. Yeah. So I mean, Tatis and Machado can only carry this team so far, and Reyes, um, and Margot and Myers. And Myers. Like these He's guys, they they can really only only carry the team so far. Yeah. And, so like, and, I don't understand. It, it just seems like and. I hate being the. I mean, I don't hate being the guy, but like, I get why people are like, "Oh, it's way too soon to fire Andy Green," um, because he just finally gets these guys. But I look at it, and it just seems so obvious the route that he should go, and he's going in the opposite direction. Like, mainly for me, I feel like you mentioned this last week. You got to start benching Hosmer against the lefties. Like, you're sitting there, and you're like, "Oh man, how are we gonna get? How are we gonna get all these guys out there? And and how are we gonna get all these righties in the lineup?" Take Hosmer out of the lineup. Yeah. Put, put Myers at first base. And you have Margot out there at in center field. You have uh, Renfro. Or no, yeah, Myers. And, I would go Myers in left, Fran Mill in right field. You have Renfro coming off the bat. 
Who's right, coming first? off the bench. Fuck. <laughs> you got to write the first Renfro, time. Renfro in left field. There you go. You Margo in center. Reyes in right field. I'm so pissed off about it, dude. I can't even it's, think right. It's frustrating because I don't think that Andy Green... I, I have the same mentality with Andy Green that I have any manager. Bud Black, the most recent one, of course. I didn't blame Bud Black for losing. I think in 2015, if you blamed him for that roster underperforming, um, you weren't looking at the big picture. To me... Are you saying that they're an ignorant fans? No. No, I'm not saying that at all. I think you should uh, express your fandom any way you'd like. Right. But... Uh, you know, to me, Bud Black was handed a flawed roster. Now, my issues with Bud Black went beyond that. It was the constant finding the players he liked and benching the guys he didn't. Like the the like the way Jerko is utilized in St. Louis, it's not a surprise that Jerko turned out to be a pretty good player and that contract was a steal and that the Padres got bent over on it. Like they gave him an opportunity and the difference with them is that they just kept kind of plugging him in everywhere. They used him like the Padres used Solarte. Like Bud Black, as soon as Amarista was like DFA'd or non-tendered, we all knew where he was going. Oh, yeah. Because that was 100%. Bud Black's guy. Yeah. You know, he'd sit there and bat Amarista, too. He'd bat Will Venable in the leadoff hole in the two spot. Like, there were th- there's things that Andrew Green's doing that don't have to do with the record that are pissing me off. One of them is continually playing Kinsler when he's clearly done. Like, I know people say, oh, you know, he's, you know he'll be better. It's like, is he really? Is he really going to be better? He, he doesn't run well. You know, he's clearly an idiot. Based on what he said about getting thrown out at third base. Oh, I'd do it again. Yeah. He's clearly baseball dumb at this point. Like, he's baseball delusional. Right. Because his sprint speed is awful. According to Fangraphs' base running runs, he's been worth minus 2.3 runs on the bases this year. Like, he cost the Padres. I'm pretty sure they lost. He cost the Padres that game. And he's yeah. cost them runs and games on the bases already. His defense is nothing to write home about. Like It's not better than Urias. It's not. It's not going to be. Like, at best, he maybe he's as good. His base running is clearly awful. Yeah. Um, and he's not hitting. He's just not. Like, he's getting gassed by 92-mile-an-hour fastballs. He barreled up. He's that quote. Let that term lightly, air quotes here. Barreled up on a hanging breaking ball, and it just floated out to center. Like, medium-depth center field. Like, Kinsler just doesn't have it. And my issues with Green are more in that, A, he doesn't see the writing on the wall for a guy like Kinsler. Like, I understand letting a veteran like Hosmer kind of have at it. Hosmer's 29. Kinsler is 36, pushing 37. Like, whatever whatever may have been left in the tank clearly isn't there. The bell curve for, you know, aging players is clearly 35. You're almost DOA. Right. And Kinsler doesn't have the secondary skills, you know, the play discipline. He doesn't shoot the ball the other way. You know, he just doesn't have those secondary skills to really kind of boot his value. I think he's I think he's past his expiration date, and Green keeps running him out there. I would rather see Jose Perella play second base than Ian Kinsler at this point. Do you think that that's not really Andy's decision? That's coming from up high? I don't high? know. I don't know. Now, I know I know there's, there's um, some debate as to how much Green, um, how much influence he has over the lineup. The Padres have never come off to me as an overly analytical team. Like, I think comparing them to, like, the Dodgers, where they're very public about, yes, we gave we give Dave Roberts the information. We walk him through, you know, the decision-making process. You know, we expect him to make decisions based on this info. Or like Joe Girardi, right? Like, the Yankees have a super analytics team. And Joe Girardi had the binder with all the numbers to help guide him to make the right decisions. Mm-hmm. I don't see the Padres being that kind of front office like I can I think every front office says hey you know here's how we'd like to use certain guys but I don't know how much leeway green has with the lineups to me because I don't know I just assume it's his lineups 
That's yeah, what I say. I've never been the guy like, you got to run the same lineup out there every single time. I think that's a cop-out because I've looked up countless times how many other managers like use different lineups. Like Joe Madden, up until recently, um, was like, Harold is one of the best managers in the league, right? He constantly shuffles the lineup. I mean, like, he's had Rizzo in the leadoff hole, Bryant in the leadoff hole, Zobris. Like, his leadoff hole was basically a coin flip as to who's going to be today. So I don't think the whole changing the lineup every day thing is that big of a deal. I think that's a myth because other managers do it. We just see our manager do it, and we assume it's bad. My issue is, like, the two holes should go to your best hitter. Like, I don't mind Tatis leading off if he's not one of your best potent hitters. Like, he should be batting two. Like, Hosmer shouldn't be batting anywhere higher than sixth at this Absolutely point. Absolutely not. Like, really, Kinsler should probably bat, like, well, he shouldn't bat at all. But really, he should bat eighth. I have more faith in Hedges than I do with Kinsler at and this point. And that's saying a lot. Yeah, it is. And, I, and I'm not an Austin Hedges hater. Like, I like Hedges. I just like Mejia better. But, you know, at this point, it's like my issues with Green are more in how he's, A, how he handled Urias, and then the comments following how he handled Urias. Um, and, B, like, the constant... The constant opportunity for Hosmer to work his way out of it in crucial parts of the lineup. Like, your two-hole is the, in my opinion, the most important spot in the lineup. He comes up right after the number one hitter, so he's got a good chance of coming up with a guy on base. And he's getting the second most at-bats on the team. You need to put your best hitter there. For me, for my money, if it's not going to be Machado, it should be Tatis or Reyes or, or Myers. Those are your other options. And then fill in as you go. Hosmer should be penciled in sixth, Hedges seventh, and Kinsler eighth if you're going to run him out there. That's my biggest issue with Green. And because he keeps running Kinsler out there over and over and over. And he just does not have – there is nothing Kinsler is doing that points to improved production. Like there's nothing he's doing that you can tell me, objectively speaking, that says he's going to be better. He looks toast. His stat cast numbers look toast. His barrel numbers look toast. His advanced metrics look toast offensively. Like he looks done. Yeah, he really does. And and yeah, I can see, dude, that's a big issue with Green, uh, continuing to trot Kinsler out there. And like, I, I'm, I'm just waiting for this nightmare to be over with, this Ian Kinsler nightmare. I feel like, I feel like, you know, this year, I said it last week, I've conceded this year to a developmental still. So it's like, I'm looking at him like, you know what? All right, I, I'm not going to be completely pissed off that Urias is down in AAA. Go down to AAA, do your thing, tear it up like we know he will. And once he starts doing that, once he starts putting up the numbers, then we can start clamoring for him to come back. So, like, in the meantime, I'm I'm vehemently against Ian Kinsler getting any playing time. You and I both are. So, it's like, in the meantime, I wonder what else is going to happen. Like, is he going to play Jose Perella every day? I feel like they're going to call up Ty France. I do, too, because they've been playing him at second a lot. I'd like to see France get more than a week's worth of games over there. Right. Like, Trying to learn a new position um, as a guy who profiled as like maybe a third baseman is probably pretty tough. But I, I would be okay. I mean, we were okay with him opening up like, hey, you know, I'd put him in a platoon or give him a shot before we got Machado. Which he was going to be our third baseman yeah. before we got Machado. Which kind and of I was, the, I was okay with that. As, a, as, as I think the majority of Padre fans were. And the funny thing is that if not for the Machado signing, like, I honestly think for with the Machado signing, it's kind of like, well, we have Kinsler. Like, what are we going to do with this guy? Maybe part of it is Cut like, him. yeah, I mean, that's what I would do. And I know that people, oh, well, he's making eight or nine million. It's like Headley made 13. You can say what you want about Brian Mitchell, but they cut Headley in like, what, May? Yeah. If that, if he lasted that long, like they were pretty quick to cut him and eat 11 or $12 million of his deal. Like there's no reason as to why Kinsler is going to still be on this team that long. Maybe they're giving him the month to figure it out. But to me, at some point, you just have to realize, like, he's not it, guy. Yeah. Like, and you got to create a spot for France. Like, I'm okay with France, you know, earning his way through. He's hit at every level. He's raking right now. Big let time. Him, let him come up. 
Give him till May yeah, or June. Yeah, but do you give him every day at second base? Absolutely. If Being you, that, like you said, it's a brand new position for him? Absolutely, because he's not going to learn to play it sitting on his ass. This isn't... This well, isn't, he can learn to play it in El Paso, though. Well, yeah. So, I like, mean, do we just sit there and do we play Perella in the meantime? That we, Number one, we... Are, love, are we going to start clamoring for Perella to get playing time because we don't like Kinsler? I'm not going to clamor for it. I'd rather have Perella there. I'd rather have a Swahe, honestly. <laughs> than at, Kinsler? At the, at the, at the, yeah, oh, because boy. at least... At least a Swahe was young. It's like, maybe he runs into something. Like... To me, like Kinsler's just toast. Like I'd, I'd rather have Perello over there. Really, I'd rather have France. I think they should leave him down for a little bit longer. But at the same time, you know, it is tough to learn the position. But if you're going to bring him up, bring him up to play him. Let him get every opportunity. That's what they did with Reyes last year. It was like, let's bring him up and see see if we have anything. And if we don't, well, then we have other options. But if we do, then great. Because the reality is the next time Urias comes up, he has to be the guy. Yeah. You cannot bring him up and, and have him play... Half his games as, you know, a spot starter or a bat off the bench or a double switch guy. Like, he has to play every day, nine innings every day. Because you're just wasting his development at this point. Yeah, big time. I mean, just kind of going back to Arias, I don't... The whole thing is just kind of weird to me. And, like, maybe my problem isn't so much with Andy Green as I just, like... I, I want to question, like, the front office, like, the decision-making. Like, he was four games down in El Paso. Like, if he's not good enough to make the roster out of spring training... But he's suddenly good enough to make it after four games in El Paso. What did he show you that he didn't show you enough to get an everyday chance at the major league level? Like, uh, it, it seems odd to me that they would bring him up at the time that they brought him up. I, yeah, I don't get it. I, I, I don't get it either. It's, it's, I keep going back to saying, like, he hit when the four games he was down there. But it's almost like they don't know what to do with him at this point. Like, yeah. they know Kinsler's not the guy. It feels like it. But... They also don't know what to do with Arias because he doesn't immediately hit. Now, I do want to point this out. Everybody says, oh, well, Tatis. Tatis hit 220 and struck out 11 or 12 times in his first 10 games. Now, granted, we'd love if Arias hit 220, but the point still stands. If you just went on the first 10 games or the first 30 plate appearances, Tatis didn't look ready. He's hitting 220, 230. It's that because he's their only shortstop, they just kept running him out there until, you know, he, he clicked and the second week showed up and he started figuring it out and he's been on a tear since. I think with Arias, it's almost like they expect him to just kind of come up. It's like, well, he's this great bat-to-ball guy. He's a line-drive sprayer. He's just going to come up and immediately contribute. And player development with, with human beings, with young players, it's not linear. Like, just because he hit at a high level of AAA almost from the onset, even with his struggles, doesn't mean he's going to come up and just hit the ground running. It doesn't work that way. Like, Aaron Judge's first 20s, and I'm not compar- saying, you know, Arias is going to be judged, but Aaron Judge was 24 years old when he got called up. And he's... Dunk. He was awful when he got, I mean, just a punch-out machine to the point to where people were like, is this guy even going to be able to play next year? And then, of course, he puts up an MVP caliber season. Right. Not to say Urias is going to put up an MVP caliber season. The point is that you cannot take such a small sample. I think he's played like 22 games his entire career yeah. and say he's not ready for the big leagues. Like, that's not enough of a sample size. Imagine if we'd have given up on, like, Khalil Green that quick and just said, oh, you know, we're not going to go with him. Or if we gave up on Kuzminov, his rookie year, like, oh, we're not going to go with him, right? Like, you can't, to me, objectively say he looks overmatched when he doesn't get enough playing time to make adjustments and then gets demoted when he barely got any starts. Like, maybe he really is overmatched, but give me more than 10 games to figure it out. This is where I'm starting to fear, like, does the front office, not that they know what they're doing or not, but... Like, do they really have a handle on what they want to do with this particular player? Like, what are they sending him down for? Like, what are they telling him? Like, hey, we want you to work on this. Well, I'm going to go down here and hit 350 again, and then I'm going to come back up. Are you guys going to play me? Like, the whole the leg kick doesn't work. It worked in AAA. We don't know if it's going to work in the major leagues because 
He only has 22 games under his belt. Like, it's not like he's played 80 games and they're like, okay, it's not working. Like, let him figure it out. Like, we, it's like Cameron Maven. Cameron Maven had to figure it out. Like, we have to let young guys develop. And if they're just going to keep sending him up and down, you're kind of just wasting his time. Like, you're, you're ruining, to me, his development. And you're not boosting his confidence either. Hey, you sucked in five starts and ten games and some pinch hits. Go back down to AAA. It's like, well, yeah. I, I didn't get a chance. True. Yeah, it's just like, so, like, moving forward, I'm sitting here and I'm like, man... I'm gonna have to start. I, I'm gonna have to start hoping that Jose Perla plays. <laughs> like, pretty I'm, much. I'm gonna have to start hoping that he plays at second base because that's how badly I don't want to see Kinsler. Like, it just, I, I, I can't stand the fact that he's on this fucking team right now, dude. I can't stand. Like, we all knew the plan that they had, and then signing Machado threw a wrench in that plan—a very welcome wrench, I might add. But um, just knowing that he's there, he's the he's the Padre right now that I hate the most. And that's that's Ian Kinsler, and that's even more than Hedges, because like Hedges provides value. Elsewhere. I don't even hate Hedges. Kinsler I just provides wish me nothing. he had got to play, and yeah. if he wasn't, I wish they would put him in AAA. But like, it's so annoying. And the thing is, the whole win now thing. It's like I think we're starting to come back down to earth, where it's like, okay, guys, we're probably a 500 team, right? Like we're probably a 500 team, even when we were winning. We mentioned like, well, even right now they're on yeah. pace for 85 games. Yeah, I know it's still early, but it's, they're on, they're on pace early. to win 85 games. Yeah, so it's it's still early. I like to look at run differential, and it doesn't give me a lot of hope. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but true. nonetheless, they're still around a 500 team, and to me, like, if if it's what we mentioned last, like Green is kind of managing a win now mode, just because they got Machado and Tatis and Paddock are up now, it doesn't mean he should be managing win now. He should be trying to field the best team on the on, that he can. But to me, you can't put Hosmer in there batting second or batting against like a tough lefty. Like if Bumgarner's on the mound, if Bumgarner's not what he was two or three years ago. But he's still fucking good. Yeah. Like, he's still good. Hosmer does not need to play that game. Like, I'll be interested to see what they do against, like, the Rich Hills and the Clayton Kershaws. They're going to run his Because those series are coming up. Corbin. Like, they have 20 games coming up. I want to say uh, Mets, Dodgers, uh, Braves. Uh, yeah, you're right. And uh, They have some the tough Nationals, games coming yeah. up. The Nationals. Oh, they're going to run him out there. We know they're going to run him out there because... But see, I don't want to believe that they will. <laughs> no, they will. I'm going to tell you right now. Disappoint you right now. They're going to run him out there. Well, Absolutely. If he keeps it up, um, based off of what he did yesterday on Sunday, then... Hey, well, he'll be fine. Let's let's go. <laughs> but it's one game. You know, it, I know. It's, it's one time. game, and the whole thing with Hosmer, oh, I know what I need to do. Well, do it, guy. Like, yeah. you've been saying this since Kansas City. Like, don't go have your brother fix your swing. Like why don't you why don't you uh, actually try to like hit the ball hard in the air? Yeah. Like try to do something that will actually elevate your game and in turn make this team better instead of just doing what you continue to do and saying, Oh, you know, I'm a field guy. I'm a field guy. Well, how does it feel when you're hitting ground balls hard as shit? Right at the second baseman, getting thrown out by forty feet. They can't feel good. Maybe sure. something should be changed. Well, um, one thing, one thing I will say is the uh, the pitching staff has been much better than anticipated, much much better than anticipated. And you know what? Like, I thought they were going to be the weak part of this entire team. I really did. And they're coming through to the point where it's like, hmm, I don't know. Do we add on to this? Gio Gonzalez just opted out today. Yeah. So it's kind of like I'm looking at the staff and I'm like. They're doing a lot better than I had It was a I mutual breakup, Eric. It was a mutual breakup. Okay. Yeah, he didn't dump the Yankees, uh-huh. and the Yankees didn't dump him. They just It was kind of like uh, that movie with uh, Vince Vaughn and Jennifer Aniston. They decided to go their own way. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah they duct taped the locker. Yeah. Um, no, I agree with you. I, I think Gio Gonzalez could help. The pitching has done well. Um, they have a 3.6 ERA in 120 innings. Um, I know you mentioned that uh, at Padres Farm and mentioned that the, their bullpen usage is actually league average, which I was stunned. I really was, too, because it <laughs> seems like the bullpen is gassed. I think they are gassed, but um, 
nonetheless, I, I think the starting pitching has been far better than we expect because we knew kind of what to expect out of Lucchese. Um, we knew what to to a point expect out of Paddock. Like we know he's going to be pretty limited. Right. You know he's not going to get the strong eight inning uh, outing unless he's just absolutely cruising. Um, and I think you know Strom was a question mark. How's he going to transition to uh, a starting role? God knows what we were getting with uh, Margavich's. Um, and they've done for the most part, you know, pretty well. They've had some fill-ins like Pedro Avila looked pretty good before yep. going back down. So now he's hurt. Yeah, <laughs> now he's hurt. Yep. Um, but you know, for the most part, I, I feel like they've they've done a pretty good job. My thing is that I think we need to get a guy. You know, if it's not going to be Keuchel, who probably isn't going to sign now until after the draft at this point, I think that's. Yeah, that seems pretty likely. Like, there's no buzz on him. Like, Jim Gonzalez is going to have a lot. I of I think he's going to sign really quickly after the draft. Oh, I do too. I I wouldn't doubt if he already has. You know, he's he's pretty much got a handshake deal in place. Yeah. But um, Jim Gonzalez is like he's he's a good fit. He he can eat up innings. You know, they can they can use maybe push somebody into the bullpen role. Like, I think they should give Strom every opportunity. I think he's got solid upside. But like Margavich is like you can use him out of the bullpen. You yeah. know, Erlin came up. He can be a multi inning reliever. I think. Gonzalez helps solve a lot of problems because you know what you're going to get out of him. A fly ball pitcher in that ballpark works pretty well. And you can kind of push one of your current quasi-starters into more of a long relief role, which I think this team desperately needs. I think Big time. If they're not going to go full opener like the Rays, given how the roster is constructed, then getting a couple of guys who can give you two or three innings a night a couple times a week I think is crucial to keep this boat going. Yeah, and see, that's what I I think that's what I really want to see out of Andy. Andy would Andy would earn a lot of goodwill out of me if he's just like, hey, we're gonna start doing the opener. Like we're gonna bring in um, if they sign Gonzalez, but more yeah. likely we're gonna bring up Quantrill, we're gonna bring up Logan Allen, and we're gonna put him in this role. I like, think that'd be perfect. You I, I want to see guys. some creativity yeah. out of them because the bullpen. I feel like the bullpen is gassed. And I had no idea until Padres Farm posted that that chart that the Padres are using their bullpen right in line with the rest of the league. But when I see these guys, I'm like, God, dude, these guys are on their last legs. So they look toast. They really do. And it's really early in the season for them to look toast. And uh, Robert Stock looks so toast that they sent him down to AAA. Yeah, he so looks... So it's like, man, he's exhausted. Yeah, he, he looks... Oh, well, he's max effort guy. Like Exactly. So, I would love the idea. And we talked to John Conniff, and, and John is not as much of a believer as we are as just throwing a guy into the bullpen. Well, John raises the but, point that neither one of those guys have ever done that before. And I've... You know, to a point, I agree with it. But I think the reason why I'm okay with Logan Allen doing that and Cal Quantrill doing that is because... I don't really view either one of those guys as a big like staple of our rotation when we're competing for hopefully World Series. Especially Cal Quantrill. I, exactly. I don't see either one of those guys really being a big staple in our rotation. So that's why I'm like, hey, throw him in the bullpen and see what happens. Just just see what happens. Yeah, you like, know what I mean? Here's here's my take That's on the it. point I think we should be at right now. The I, see I, what happens mode. I agree with you. Like I like Strom. Like, yeah, he won eight innings, but I don't think he's going to do that every time out. Like, he's no. maybe a four or five inning guy. Like, I don't I know like if he can throw the shit out of that slider, though. Yeah, I mean, if he goes to you a never know. Out. But, you know, right now, like, I think I think you say, okay, Paddock is a starter. You know, right. Lucchese's a starter and Lauer's a starter. Those last two or three spots, like, I would be okay, like, bringing up Logan Allen and, or, like, Cal Contro and saying, hey, we're going to piggyback you with Strom. Like, Strom's going to start um, or Margavich's is going to start. Or you're going to start, and then Margavich is going to come in in the middle innings, and so on and so forth. Like, I'm okay with that. I know people aren't don't like it, but it can work. You just have to have the staff to do it. Like, if you send down, like, like we don't need Aaron Loop. We don't need Adam Warren. Like, send those guys yeah. down and bring up, if they have options, see if they clear waivers. If they don't, oh, well. 
Bring up Quantrill eventually, maybe in May, give him a couple more starts, but bring up Quantrill, bring up Allen, basically tell him, like, look, you guys are basically going to be the overs. You're going to come out, you know, once, maybe twice a week tops. You're going to give us one time through the order, so two to three innings, and then we're just going to bring in whoever is supposed to start that day. Mark Gavichis will come in, or, you know, Strom will come in, or Lauer, or Lucchese, or Paddock. Like, I know it kills the mark anything with Paddock, like the whole, all the sheriffs in town today, but like, yeah. if you have Allen go out there and start for two or three innings, and then you bring Paddock in, guess what? You're bringing in probably your best horse two through seven or three through eight. And then you can, you know, you don't have to rely so heavily. I'm on hesitant like on using standard. Paddock in that role. I mean, I, I would be okay with using him as a, as a, uh, as a starter. Like I said, I mean, if you want to designate certain guys, I'm okay with Paddock being that guy. But I do think if you're going to bring those guys up, at least know. Like, it doesn't have to be a, an opener to be a bullpen game. Like, True. if you know, like, Paddock's going to go five. Like, we feel pretty confident. He's probably going to go five, maybe six. Those would be the games I'd tell a Cal Quantrill or a Logan Allen. Hey, get ready to gas it out for two or three innings because you're going out there. Yeah. You know, or like a Strom. Like, or really anybody in our rotation. But I do think it helps out if they go get a Gio Gonzalez and then, you know, maybe go to like a six-man or just use, you know, Margavishis, Erland. Quantrill, Allen, like use those guys at even Perdomo. I don't know how well Perdomo pits when he was up here, but you know, use those guys as like, hey, just gas it out for a couple of innings and you know, just kind of get it bridged to the eighth and ninth so we can get Stammon and Yates in here. Because like Stammon's not a multi-inning guy. No. Like he he was a mop-up guy when we got him, but I think he's fairly well established as like a back a back end high leverage reliever. Like you can't be blowing him out two innings every time you bring him out. Yeah, I feel like for me, Lucchese, Paddock and Strom. I, I care about them making a start every fifth day. Yeah. Lauer. Because I feel like they give us the best chance to win. Exactly. Lauer, Margavichus, could not possibly give less of a fuck about either one of those It's two. almost like they're the same guy. Couldn't care less. Yeah. So that's why, you know, piggyback one of the two. I don't care. Piggyback both. Throw, throw One guy throws four, the other guy throws three. I don't care. Yeah. But... On those two days, so you have uh, Lucchese, you have Paddock, you have Strom. Those are your three staples in rotation. And the other two days, you go with those guys. It's an open audition. Yeah. You know, uh, Earn your spot on this team. Show us what you got. Show us what you're made of. That's what I really want to see. But I don't know, I don't know one, if Andy has the ball sack to do it, or two, if he's creative enough to do it. Yeah, like the wherewithal. Yeah, I don't. I don't think he will. I think he's just going to be the guy that's like, hey, you know, we're going to go with this guy, and uh, hey, go get him. Like, you know, let's let's see what happens. And I don't. I don't think he's creative enough to go that route. And that's another thing too, about like a knock on Andy Green is that we're a team right now with the way our roster is constructed. I truly believe we have a chance to compete. Like, I do think we have a chance to push for wild card. You just have to get really creative with how you use your roster. Yeah. Right, like you have to get like I don't think it's creative to run hedges out there and basically give Mejia the night game before a day game starts just so you can get hedges during the day game. Like I think they need to use Mejia more and use hedges less because a catchers typically don't go more than 120 games this year, and b you're using a guy who could be valuable in a split role and basically making him a backup catcher. And I don't I think Mejia is better than that. I think he deserves better than that. This isn't backup quarterback where you can read the defense and you know read this and read that you know sitting on the bench like he's not going to get better not taking reps and really the only guys that I really think Hedges really needs to catch are the guys who need the frame strikes the Lowers and the Margaviches like Fuego's fine I think Mejia can catch Fuego I definitely think Mejia can catch Panic all he's got to do is sit there and put his glove up he's going to throw it there that's true and you know 
and with um, who's the other guy I'm missing? So Strom. Strom. Like Strom, I could see like Hedges because you know who knows. But like, I think Mejia needs to be starting like two out of every five games. It feels like he's starting one out of every six. True. Yeah, I I feel like Hedges probably should be catching Strom. Um, because if he's throwing that slider, he's going to bounce a lot of yeah, them. Yeah, and I agree and, with you on that. Um, Mejia's last start, he he looked pretty good behind the plate. He threw like an 89-mile-an-hour yeah. P-rod to second base. Yeah, and there was a couple points late in the game where a couple balls were bounced, and he kept them in front. There's runners on. and He's you know, not I, as I bad he did well. as, we, as he's made it's out to be. It's one game. Yeah, it's I mean, one, it's one game. game. But, I mean, there's a lot of games, you know, he doesn't do bad. and I, To me, it's like... A smart team would see this opportunity and say, we have what could be a really great catching tandem. We should take advantage of this. Whereas the Padres, I'm not saying aren't smart, but maybe it's the manager, maybe it's the front office, but collectively are not doing that. What they're doing is we have a catcher who doesn't really hit, but he's really great defensively. And we have a catcher who doesn't really play defense well, but he could probably be pretty good offensively. And we're just going to kind of run with one and not the other instead of saying, how can we aggregately get the most value out of this combination as opposed to just running with one or the other? It's like the Potters are trying to go the super traditional route in a time where being creative and, you know, platooning and, you know, trying to put guys in the best position to succeed and getting the most out of roster depth, like what the Dodgers do, is really shined upon. Like the Dodgers are heralded for how much they get out of their roster with all the moves. The Potters have an opportunity to do that. I just don't know if Green or even this front office's mindset is the right one to do it to be that creative. They have their pieces are are so solid that they have the opportunity to compete while developing. Yeah, if if that makes sense, like no, does, with I the mean, guys that they now. the guys that they have. I mean, it's it's super early, but I mean, yeah. like long term as a sustainable uh, method of contention, like yeah. they could do that with these pieces, and their pieces are good enough to where it could actually be a thing. But it's something that you have to commit to. And I, I don't know if I see Green doing that. Yeah, the, the Rays are a prime example of a team that's constantly in rebuild mode, but not to a point where they tear it down like the Padres. They've gotten to a point where they continue to draft and trade and develop well, and every now and then they'll go on a three- or four-year run where they're really good like they are right now. Right. Um, but they're continually trying to develop guys. They're trying to be really creative with how they use a roster. I agree with you. I think the Padres could do that, but maybe Green and or the front office staff just isn't the right mix. Right. But, I mean... I'm okay with going traditional. They just don't have the pieces to do it. Yeah. I mean, are we are we freaking out over like way too small of a sample size? I, I, I feel um, like we kind of are. Like, I feel like maybe we should kind of keep our um, keep our generalizations of the team, like just kind of, or our expectations just kind of limited at this point because we're 20, what's that, 23 games into yeah. the season. Like, we, we really should chill. Like, when it comes to even Hosmer, shitting all over Hosmer, well, we, we should chill. See, the thing is, a couple of these, I, I think we should chill on the record. I think we got off to such a hot start where now we're expecting to win every game, which is great, but it's also very humbling to realize the roster's not that good. Like, we were never going to be better than the Dodgers. Like, we're just not. Alex Verdugo is probably better than every player we have that doesn't play third or short. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's just the reality of the situation. You know, Bellinger's better than every one of our players. <laughs> um, so... I think the harsh reality is it was gonna. It's gonna take a lot for the Padres to actually succeed. Like the Rockies have to continue to tank. Uh, the Diamondbacks look like a 500 team, which is I thought their peers. You know, we have to beat up on the Giants. Like we have to beat up on teams we played this weekend in order to um, really compete. The next 20 games, man, it's gonna say a lot. It is. It is. I think uh, Andy Green might get canned in the next 20, but we'll see. Um, but but like, what what difference is an interim manager gonna make? Nothing. Like, like Rob I said Barajas. this when Bud Black was fired. Like. Your, your argument was, we'll get a new voice in there. And I'm like, yeah, but it's not really the voice. 
It's uh, not really the voice. My dog has some input here. Yes, he's he's upset. He's an Andy Green stan. Yeah, yeah, he really is. Um, but yeah, but I mean, you know, maybe Barajas comes in, and maybe Barajas is the guy that can make those changes that that we want to see, and maybe it works. Maybe, but who knows? I I think like firing the manager is such like an old tired trope. Like <laughs> it works. It, it you find you hear when it works because it's great like narrative but you never hear when it doesn't work because nobody cares you know to me like if you're gonna fire bud black for the record you're doing it wrong if you're gonna fire him because you're tired of his lineups and you're tired of how he manages players and you know just that he's just not a creative manager at all like to me bud black never got the most out of his rosters um then i'm okay with that like as far as small sample goes i think if you're expecting this team to win right now and to be an 11 and 5 team and you're probably be disappointed i think if you're concerned over hosmer because he hasn't hit in well over a year now. You're tired of Andy Green because he hasn't shown any progression as a manager, regardless of his rosters. Like, just because he had a crappy team doesn't mean he can't be creative in, in his roster usage. And, you know, and he really, I don't know, Green is weird because there are times where I really like what he did. Like, I like that he ran with Fran Milreis. I hated that he ran with Jankowski. <laughs> so it's it's been kind of hit or miss. But I think if you're going to, if you're okay shit canning Green just because you feel like at this point, he is the manager he is. He's not going to change as far as like how he manages the Padres. Then I'm okay with that. If you're going to fire him because of the team record, I don't think that's necessarily his fault. I still don't fire think... him because the record is stupid. I, I agree because I don't think that the roster he's inheriting this year is necessarily a winning roster. I think if you get creative, you can kind of squeak some more wins out of it. But I don't think you should fire him because you should expect like updates in the win loss record. Like maybe they go 500, but they have to stay healthy. I think you should look like how's he handling Paddock, which I think has been good. He lets Paddock go when things start to look like they're kind of falling off. Like, okay, he pulls Paddock. I think he's done fine with the pitching staff. I know guys want to see him run guys out there, but it's like, I said this off the air, like Lucchese went into the sixth yesterday. He got two outs and he put two on. And it's like, do you leave him in there and maybe give up the lead? You're up four to one. You need this win. You haven't won in a week. Like I'm okay to pull him. I firmly believe in that three times through the order. It's, it's statistically proven, you know, third time through the order, things start to crater. So from him handling the pitching staff, the bullpen, I'm okay with. How he's handled Urias, I hate. How he's handling Mejia, I hate. So if you're going to fire Andy Green just because you don't think he's the guy and you don't think that tactically and roster usage-wise he's a guy, I'm okay with that. I'm not okay with canning him because the Padres don't win because I don't think that's entirely his fault. Now for the former, what you just said, I'm willing to give him until the All-Star break. I'm willing to give him the rest of the year, honestly. I'll give him until the All-Star break. Like, we'll see where we're at. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. Like, I'd be the whole year just because I want to see what he does with the roster for a full season. Like... I don't think firing Bud Black did anybody any good. I think it just made things worse. Um, I don't think Andy Green getting fired is going to do anything. Like, Andy Green, for all the talk Brahas gets, like, that was Andy Green before we hired him. Minor league manager of the year, great thinker, advanced guy, great with shifts with the Diamondbacks. Like, everything that Rod Brahas being talked up about, this was supposed to be Andy Green. And then you realize, oh, maybe he needs a better roster to win. Like, I don't think Rod Brahas is a saving grace. I don't think anybody can point to anything to say that Rod Brahas would be a better option. He might very well be, but I don't think it says slam dunk. Yeah, I mean, who knows? I don't think it would make a difference, honestly. I really don't. I think they're still going to be a mediocre team. Yeah, well, we have a lot to get to in the Padre Twitter segment. Oh, this is going to be good. Are you ready for this it? My new, I love this segment so much. Yeah. I'm ready to laugh. <laughs> it is. You know, I was thinking, I was like, maybe we should do it every other week because I, I don't want it to get played out. 
um, and I don't want it to get stale with some of the same same callers. So I was thinking maybe uh, every other week. And since the minor league season has gotten started, we need to get our Mad Friars pals back on. Um, so I was thinking about starting to rotate it between a Mad Friars guy and the uh, the Padres Twitter segment. But we'll see. It all depends on on what we want to do. But there's some there's some great voicemails in here that I want to get to. Um, some of them are, are are pretty dark, and some oh, of them are, are very very like strange. <laughs> A couple are uh, very uh, a couple hot are topics, very very uh, topical topical yeah. voicemails. Yeah, so let's uh, let's go ahead and let's get into it. Let's let's see what we have here. Oh God! What up? This is uh, Matt from Bluntly Padres. This is a hell of a segment. My goodness, y'all got like your own voicemail all set up and shit. Uh, my overreaction is um, Jose Perella is the best utility player. The Padres have ever had. React. <laughs> Comment. Now, I think I want to delete this one. Is there a way for me to delete this? This is not what I wanted to say. I didn't want to talk about Jose Prello on this. Um, how do I end this? I'm going to press pound and see if that works. <laughs> Don't use this. Don't use this. I'm going to call back. <laughs> Uh, great, great job, uh, Matt from Bluntly Padres. He he came through with the second one, so he to uh, in an attempt to redeem himself. So let's let's see what he has. Oh God! What up, boys? <laughs> it's Bluntly Padres here. Um, big fan of the podcast, guys. Uh, big fan here. Been a fan since day one. You know, um, my question for you guys is: in the year 2020, next year, where do you rank Fernando Tatis? in the National League West of best shortstops. You got Corey Seager. You got Brandon Crawford. You got Trevor Story. You got Nick Ahmed, I guess. <laughs> Where does he rank? Is he number one? Is he two? Is he three? I think you can make a good argument for Story and Seager, two great players. Where does Fernando Tatis rank next year of the shortstops in the NL West? Stay blunt, bitch. <laughs> Where does Fernando Tatis rank next year? I think he's going to be number one, uh, really? neck and neck with Seager. Yeah. I like Trevor Story. I just don't think he's going to continually put up five more seasons. Like, well, you got to take the Coors effect into it. That's what Fangraphs is for, right? Um, but I mean, I, like, I really like Trevor Story. Um, I just like I'm trying to look up his walk rates. Like, he has solid walk rates. Like, but last year it seemed to be like he had 345 in balls in play. So I think he's solidly the number three shortstop in the league. I think Brandon Crawford and Nick Ahmed are basically rich and poor man versions of themselves. Like <laughs> Crawford's probably a better hitter, uh, or maybe Mike Peak is a better hitter. Right. But he's probably, you know, getting past his prime now. Um, he's probably transitioning to a very good defensive shortstop with not as much punch as he had. And Nick Ahmed is basically like Ray Ordonez. Like he can't really hit, but God, is he so good defensively? Yeah, I mean Ahmed. Ahmed's not even in the conversation. To I mean, be he has to be because he's a starting shortstop. But Neither yeah. is Brandon Crawford, in my no. opinion. No, I, I don't. I think those guys are solidly. It comes down lasting. to story. It comes down to Seager. It comes down to Tatis, and yeah. it's like, why wait till next year? I think we might have the best out of the three of them. I think so. But and, I want to. And Tatis is making a great case already. Indeed, he is. So and we we talk in September. <laughs> We talk in September. That's a good and, point. And and we'll see. But I, I think Seager Tatis is you can you can coin flip. It, it depends on what more you want. I think Tatis is gonna be better defensively, obviously a better runner. Maybe Seager might be a better hitter now just because he's seasoned, but 
I think that's the neck and neck. Those well, are really the only two. We have two. to see if Seager can stay on the field. Yeah. Is he playing right now? Well, I mean, I'm sure he's... I think he's playing right now. I, I yeah, have no idea. That's why I ask. He got hurt last year. So, hey, you got to yeah. stay on the field there, pal, because uh, Tatis is coming up in that conversation. And I, I got to say, by the way, Bluntly Padres, they put out a 420 special. Did you? Finally. Yeah. Did I know you listen I got, to it? I, I subscribe. I got the... Oh, uh, really? I got the update on my SoundCloud. I haven't sat down to listen to it. I found a oh. new podcast I like. Oh, did uh, you? But I haven't listened to it yet. Wait, yes. new Padre podcast? No, no, no. It's just a... It's a sports movie podcast. Oh, God. I'll tell you about it later. So, Bluntly Padres, dude. I got to say, of all of all the Padre podcasts I listen to, they, they got to be up there. It's either 1 or 1A, but they're up there for sure. Like, it's impossible to listen to those dudes and the good vibes on their podcast and not be happy. Like when I hear uh, Luhan, especially when Luhan gets gets fired up, dude, there's nothing better. There's nothing better. He's like, "Let's double go, on, boys!" Double on right there. <laughs> there's nothing better than those dudes, man. I, I fucking love it. So here's where it gets kind of weird. It oh, gets God. a little bit weird and brings up the uh, the hot topic that you were talking about earlier. Well, hey there, fellas. Good morning. This is James Clark uh, at EVT <laughs> underscore J Clark from the East Village Times, number one site for Padres news and <laughs> I thought I'd phone in and get your guys' ignorant and delusional thoughts on our manager and my good friend, Andy Green. From the extensive time I've spent in the showers with young men, strapping young men, might I say, friend Neil Reyes and Carlos Asuahi, I can personally attest that he's doing a marvelous job in almost every aspect of managing. If you don't think he knows what he's doing, I'll have you know I communicated with the young man yesterday, and you are wrong. Thanks for taking my call, and as always, my opinion is better than yours. (laughs) Son of a bitch. Son of a bitch. You told me James called in, but man, I didn't know it was going to be that good. Man, that was amazing. I I was always... I was wondering if we James just cut the pod now. I was wondering if James was going to respond after the way we ended last week's pod, and he called in and he did not disappoint. So. <laughs> Holy shit! I have an idea of who that is, of who that is that made the call. Well, I guess we can confirm his clubhouse access. So it, obviously, it's not James Clark, but I have a pretty good idea of who it is, and I think he's made a cameo in our podcast before. So you guys can kind of uh, draw the conclusions. It's not Mazone, um, and if. If that is you that left that message, that is absolutely amazing. So great, great job. I think I need a cerveza after that one. DM me if that's who I think it is, because that was amazing. All right, here's... here's... We're not going to answer that question, I guess. Uh. Here's the next one, dude. I can't. Yo, this is Jake um, at Team Thrash on the Twitter and whatnots. Uh, Since we actually have decent players this year... How many players do you think will be on the all-star team? And of those, how many do you think would actually be a starter? Uh, that's my only question. And fuck you, Eric. <laughs> Thank you for that. At the very end, and uh, fuck you, Eric. <laughs> so who's our all-star uh, starters? Well, do we have any? Uh, I think Tatis and Machado could be all-star starters. Starters? Yeah, I think so. Is it... Is it bad of me to say, or is it ignorant of me to say that I don't think Machado is going to get the start? I, think, I I feel like people love Nolan Arenado, but he started before. Even Mark Sweeney loves him. 
Even Mark Sweeney loves Nolan Arenado. Sweeney alone. He's on Fox Sports, and they're like, hey, who's the best third baseman? And before they can even finish the question, Nolan Arenado. <laughs> like, come on, Sweeney. Stand for your own guy one time. Jesus um. Christ. <laughs> so I, I feel like Nor- Nolan Arenado is going to get the start I think it's going to be base. neck and neck. I, I, I feel like Machado will be an all-star. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think Tatis will be, too. I think Paddock might make the all-star team. I think Gates is almost a lock at oh, this yeah. point. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's crazy. We have multiple options. <laughs> I like, know. We it it's probably not going to come around the the seventh or eighth inning. You're like, shit. Is a Padre going to get into this game? Like, yeah. we're going to actually see our guys. Yeah, I, I, and not because the game is played here. I think for Machado, like he's been consistently voted in. Uh-huh. Um, so I do think he has a legitimate opportunity to start. His biggest obstacle, obviously, is going to be. Well, I mean, he's got a lot of competition in the NL. Like he's got Bryant. Um, he's got Turner. He's got Arenado. Who the hell else is another third baseman in this division or in this league? Rendon. Yeah, Rendon. Oh, he's he might be hurt, so we'll True. see. True. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot of great. Josh third... Donaldson. Yeah, and I love Josh Donaldson. Um, well, they're doing the one. Isn't this year they're going to start doing the one day voting? Yes. One day well, voting. You got the campaign. Basically, it's basically the players have to like try to get your vote. Essentially, well, yeah, but like, all the voting yeah. is in one day this year. Oh, all the voting. If I'm not mistaken. I thought that was just like the, the final vote-in. No. If I'm not mistaken, all of the voting is in one day this year. So you know Padres Twitter is going to show out. Braves Twitter is very strong. Are very they? strong, dude. So uh. if if Donaldson is on the field, I think he's going to be a threat also. I do too. He's also slugging like 500 with a 340 on base. Yeah. I'll he's, be interested. He's doing very well. Uh, I'll be very interested. I think that... I would love to see Machado start the All Star game at third I, base, and I would love to see Tatis start the All Star game. I think short. Tatis has. It. Give me a guy. Give me a better. I shortstop think Padres in the Twitter League. can make it happen. Padres a, Twitter can make it happen. Give me a better shortstop in the National League. Yeah, can't. I can't, dude. And the stats back it up. And and he said, "Fuck you, Eric," because he did a he did a podcast. You know, Matt, Nate's brother. Matt. Oh God. <laughs> oh beef jerky chilada. Yeah. That so. One? So Jake, uh, Jake did a podcast with Matt, and I was fucking with Matt because I loved to. And I was like, "Hey Matt, I heard your podcast." I was like, "It was so fucking terrible. I fell asleep. So thanks for putting me to sleep." And he went and told Jake, like I said, the whole thing was shit. I was making fun of Matt, but anyways, yeah, that's that's hilarious. You ever um, see Matt throw? By the way, it's terrible. He, it's like a celebrity throwing out the first pitch who's never held a baseball. It's yeah. amazing that his brother's a catcher. Yeah, that's at. Uh, he's on Twitter, the most annoying motherfucker on Twitter at Mecca Jam. Polar opposite of watching his brother play. It's amazing. He shows up to our games in a in a Marlins jersey that's completely unbuttoned and a wife beater underneath. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ! Have some self respect. <laughs> I have not heard this one yet. I haven't listened to this one yet, so let's see how this goes. <laughs> Hi. Uh, Padres Haiku here. I'm doing a lot of soul searching lately. I wanted to know, um, am, I a, am I an ignorant Padres fan? <laughs> am, I a, am, I, am I a fake Padres fan? Am I a... Am I a, am I a Am I a bandwagon Padres fan? <laughs> am I am I a bad Padres fan? Am I a good Padres fan? What 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 kind of, what kind of Padres fan am I? I'll take my answer off the air. Is he gonna be okay? I don't know. Sounded like he was tearing up towards the end. Here's my take. He sounds like he's hurting. Yes, a lot. Here's my take on Padres fans, and I'm going to leave it here once and for all. <laughs> Either you root for the Padres or you don't. If you root for the Padres, I don't care how what level your fandom is. You're a Padres fan, and we're all in this together. Let's just let's just leave it at that. Yeah. There's no right way to root for this team. 
Yeah. Just like there's no wrong way to criticize them. Yeah, and that's true. And if you want to criticize the team, then criticize the team. Who yeah, cares? You're the paying customer. Exactly. What do we got next? What's up, Danny? What's up, Eric? This is Ryan Cohen coming at you. I love this. Uh, my question has to do with Eric Hosmer's injury. We heard that it was uh, coming out of the sauna. He tripped and fell. I'm not making any accusations here, but it did happen to be on the 20th day of April or 20. See where I'm going? All right. Go Padres. <laughs> I am very... I am very suspicious of Eric Hosmer because you heard this story, right? He yes, was coming I did. I out of the sauna. Morning. Yeah, he fell. He passed out, fell, and cut his eye. This was Saturday, right? Above his eye. Yeah, I, I want to say eh, Sunday. I don't know. April twentieth. When Sunday was April twenty first? Whatever. Saturday. Yeah. So I'm very suspicious of Eric Hosmer. He either ingested, injected or inhaled a marijuana inside of that sauna. And you know what? I asked AJ Casavell, and Casavell said nothing. So you know what? I need to ask someone that has the balls to get to the bottom of this. Because if our first baseman is doing marijuanas, we're going to have a fucking problem. All Not right? really, because if he is and he gets popped for roids or whatever it is that does, you know, I know marijuana is a performance enhancing drug. That means Josh Naylor comes up. I want him to lose time, not because he's dead. <laughs> I want there to still be a chance for that contract to put to pay off. Well, if he's smoking the marijuanas in a sauna where he could fall down and knock his head out, I believe that's called Darwinism. God, man. Like, our first baseman is doing marijuanas in Petco Park. I never thought it would get this Not bad. prestige role model. I lived through Ken Caminetti, and this is much worse. <laughs> At least Caminetti did coke. Okay? And roids. He wasn't injecting, was inhaling, or ingesting marijuana on, or in team facilities. Eric Cosmer really, really disappointed me. So let's go to the next one. I'm definitely tired. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dead inside. What? Who was that? I don't know who that was. I have no idea who that was. But uh, let's go with um, let's go with this one next. Hey guys, it's Craig Betty on Twitter. Um, I'm about to be 38 years old in June, but apparently I don't know how to be a true Padre fan. <laughs> so I was just wondering if you guys could let me know how to be a true Padre fan. Alrighty. Hope you guys have a good show. Later. So how Craig wants to know how to become a true Padre fan. So I, I think that he left that message, and I think that he found a way to be a true Padre fan in his next message. Oh, this is the follow-up. Hey, it's Craig Medi again. Um, so the rumor on how to be a true Padre fan is that you got to stick your dick as far up Fran Mill's ass. Whoa! Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I see where that's going, Craig, and I, I don't know. I, I don't know if that's the way to uh, to be a true Padre fan. You know what? Here's the thing. And if you're listening to the podcast, you know what we're referencing. James Clark, friend of the pod. One of the best friends of the pod. Um, <laughs> he tweeted out yesterday about... He was kind of upset about people coming after Andy Green. Oh, God. And he wanted to stick up for Andy Green because, you know what? He loves Andy Green. And he believes in Andy Green. And he loves his press pass and his access. So he came out and he told told people that they were 
delusional. He said, Critics of Andy Green and April prove their ignorance of the game with every criticism. It's a process. Let it unfold and enjoy it. True Padre fans are excited for the future, not delusional over a few wins early in the year. Andy Green is not an issue for the San Diego Padres. And that was not well received by Padres. Not in the fucking slightest. As Change of Padres said, a full-throated endorsement. (laughs) That was my favorite one. It was like the first response. He got absolutely shredded for it. You know what? Like To his credit, he owned it today. So I'll, I'll give him that much. He came out and he owned it, so it's fine, dude. Like, Oh my god. Yeah. Holy throat and endorsement. I fucking love Barber. Yeah. It's, uh... <laughs> it's fine. You know, some people, we all get fired up and we all say things in the heat of the moment that we don't really, you know... That, Did he really say things that, in that the we heat of the moment, regret. though? Like, he had time to, like, nah. read that as he's typing. It just, it just seemed unnecessary. Yeah. I'm glad he owned up to it. It just... It seems the like only thing I could ask. The only thing I could ask is own it. Own your shit. If you say something and you know it's you know it's probably shitty. To his credit, he didn't delete it and move on and act like it didn't happen. He owned it. Right. So as long as you own it, that's all I can ask for. And James owned it. So kudos for him. But I'm still gonna clown because it's fucking funny. <laughs> it's funny. And and obviously our our uh, callers on our segment today. Did, uh, did anybody come to his defense? Because I didn't see it. I didn't see. I see. I see. He got welcomed like, with open arms on the apology tweet. Yeah. But the tweet, the original tweeting question. I don't think. Uh, I think it may have been ratioed. Yeah. <laughs> Tough scene. What's up, boys? It's Fritz here. SD Fritz. Oh God. Hey, you know, <laughs> who thought that this team, who won sixty-six games last year, would improve to make the playoffs? Just because they add Tatis and Machado. They're going to improve by 15 to 20 games. You got to be kidding me, man. Unrealistic expectations are setting up green for failure. I guess that's it. Is that it? Is that it? (laughs) Yeah, I guess that's it. So unrealistic expectations are setting Andy Green up for failure. I don't disagree with him depending on how you're looking at Andy Green. Well, it's exactly what you said about, you know, it, are you calling for his firing based off the wins and loss records? Or are you calling for his firing based off of the, the method and the route you take to get to the wins and loss yeah. record? I, I think if it's the latter, you're okay. I think if it's the former, then you're delusional and you're ignorant. I, uh, <laughs> and you're sorry. not a true pottery fan. I'm sorry. No, I, I 100% agree to a point with Fritz. I, I think... Thinking this team could, it's not unheard of that Hosmer could be better and bounce back. If Hosmer's better, that's two wins right there. If Myers is healthy, there's maybe another two. So you have four. Tatis and Machado, that might add on 10. So what are we up to? 14? And then maybe Paddock adds on like two or three. So maybe not even 15. I don't think a 15 game swing is unrealistic. 85 games would take a lot. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. So I don't think Fritz uh, is, is incorrect there. I do think, especially the hot start out of the gate. Um, was making uh, expectations a little unrealistic. I, I think 80-82 wins is going to be a good sign of things to come. But, uh, yeah, Green should not be shit-canned for this team's record. True. Hey, guys. It's Joe Myers at Joe Myers 1-0. Normally we think about uh, lefties, left-handed hitters, as having uh, smooth, pretty swings like Griffey and Robinson Cano. But I want to hear what you guys think of who has the ugliest left-handed swing in the game. Who has the ugliest left-handed swing in the game? Marcus Thames has a pretty ugly swing. Marcus Thames. 
Who does he even play for? I think he's on the Brewers still, isn't he? Oh, is he? Oh, Eric. Thames, you mean Eric Thames. Eric Thames, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure he's on the Brewers. I'll, I'll pull up this swing. It's it's pretty ugly. Well, uh, the people listening aren't going to be able to watch it. So, yeah, you can check Eric Thames. I'll say I'll say the ugliest swing in left-handed swing in baseball. you got to go Chris Davis, right? I mean, I'm just based off of the results here. I'll go. <laughs> <laughs> that's got to be the ugliest, man. At least the guy that I feel the worst for. But, um, yeah, that's, that's a great question, man. I'm sitting there. I'm like, hmm. I don't like Hosmer's swing at all. Yeah. He has a weird finish. Like his follow through is weird. Like here's, it's it's just odd. Like uh, Hosmer's swing. But I'm telling you, if you ever watch Thames' swing, it's it's really like herky jerky. Yeah. Like he just kind of snaps the bat. I'll go with Gerardo Paro also, just because I yeah. fucking hate that guy. That guy. I yeah. hate him. I can't dude. stand him. I hate Gerardo Parra. Um, so yeah, there you go. I take it back. I go with Gerardo Parra. This one was kind of a so it's kind of creepy, dude. Like this next this next message. I think I listened. I think this was one I listened to earlier, and I'm like, where's this guy going with this? It's oh, kind of, I like I I appreciate the call, and I kind of wonder what's what's this guy's end game. But we'll we'll go with this. Hey Eric, Danny. This is Dermot Cockner from No Country for Old Man at Sports Talkberry. Sorry, I did not call in last Monday, but those two haters, they blocked my ass on Twitter, and I wasn't allowed to do any activity linked to my account. Fucking disgusting. The liberals, they just want to see me rock in jail and get screwed in my fly magnet. Dirty little Danny knows what I'm talking about. He's an expert regarding the no corner zone. Am I right, Danny? So my question for you guys is, uh, what did you do on Easter weekend? Uh, me personally, I just got high on blow and pretended for a couple of hours I was Friar Phil. Then when I got bored, I watched some old Cash Medi videos. They're so awesome, man. I mean, after watching them, I actually watched them again on mute so I could really focus on his body language and just get what he was saying. <laughs> Best Easter ever, yeah. All right, appreciate the show. Talks out. So what the hell? I will give him this: the villain in No Country for Old Men, Segur. That did sound like him. I will give him that. That was, uh, boy, that was very weird. That's one of those videos you run into when you go down the rabbit hole on YouTube, and then you like wake up two hours later, like, what the hell did I just watch? Yeah. So, uh, Craig Meddy, this guy's watching your periscopes on mute. <laughs> <laughs> oh Jesus Christ, dude! What'd you do Easter weekend? Quickly. Uh, that's that's what his actual question was. <laughs> my daughter hunted Easter eggs. Got lots of candy and toys, and uh, that was about uh, that was about it. I ate awfully. Yeah, I made carnitas in the slow cooker because I don't really care yeah. <laughs> about Easter. Anyways, here's the next one. Hey, this is Chris Ello. My question for you <laughs> is Joey Lucchese, and then a follow up to that, Will Myers. <laughs> Also, I just want to know, are you happy that the losing streak is over? Thank you. <laughs> Do you see that Chris Ello interview? Hell no. You Austin didn't pay Hages? me to watch that charisma vacuum. Are you Ooh, kidding me? I've seen him on KUSI. Good Lord. Yeah, it was absolutely terrible. He was sitting there. As soon as the um, interview with Ello was over... Austin Hedges booked it. He's like, I'm getting the fuck out of here. Because Ella was like, hey. The first question was like, well, glad that's over, huh? And I'm like, what is that? I'm like, what kind of question is that? And then he's just like, uh, so, and Joey Lucchese? It's like, Ella's just so terrible, dude. He is so terrible. 
Um, let's go. I've kind of lost my place here. There's a few that I might that I might skip, and it's unintentional. But I, I kind of uh, jumped around from question to question. But um, we have one half of the SDSU did not deserve the Qualcomm site. Uh, oh, don't don't tell me which half. Surprise in. me. All Surprise right. me. It's the better half. We'll say that much. Hey, Eric and Danny. It's Alec Weber <laughs> at Alec Weber nineteen. I'm glad to see that Eric was able to survive 420. We all know that 420 is a day associated with copious amounts of weed, and we all know Eric likes to inject the marijuana every once in a while. So <laughs> I'm glad the devil's let us didn't take him. My question for this week is really quite a simple one. Why haven't the Padres signed Keiko yet? He's still available. Why haven't we gone out and gotten him yet? I'll take the answer on the air. Looking forward to another great episode. Take care, boys. So why not Keiko yet? I think a couple things. I think it's the draft pick, I think, is the number one thing. I think so, I don't too. think it's the money at this point. I think it's a draft pick. I think it might be the number of years that he wants. No one, who's going to give him four years? Nobody. No one's going to give him four years. Not in he this knows landscape. it. He knows it. His agent knows it. Who is his agent? Boris. Boris. Boris knows it. Failed miserably. Everyone this knows it. I might add. Absolutely, everyone knows that Keiko is not getting four years. He's not even getting three years. Like he'd be lucky for two and an option at this point. But I, I firmly believe that as soon as the draft is over, he's going to find a team soon, and Craig Kimbrell is going to find a team soon. I think Kimbrell might sign before the draft, but. I don't think Keiko does. Kimbrel, I think a lot of teams might be able to view because bullpen bullpen help is always a hot commodity yeah, at the time. deadline. So if you can go out and just trade and sign a guy and not have to trade anything to go get, you know, and Kimbrel's not what he was, but he's still, you know, a, a top high end, high leverage reliever. I think you might be right for Keiko. I don't know if it's so much the money. I think you're right. I think it's the years. I think it's the draft pick. And I also think it's Scott Boris basically promised his client something he couldn't deliver and painted himself into a corner. So now there's nothing really available without making it look like, you know, well, I done fucked up. Well, the thing is, it's like now that Gio Gonzalez is available, he could be a poor man's Dallas Keuchel. Yeah. You know, he really could be. Like, if you're looking for a guy to eat innings, I think Gio Gonzalez can be your Here's guy. Here's the great thing, too, with Gio Gonzalez. Like, Keuchel's been pitching in simulated games. Like, that's great. But Gonzalez has actually been pitching in minor league games. Like, he's actually been in competitive yeah. ball games. And I don't think you can simulate... Um, the mental aspect of a baseball game. I know Mr. Analytics, but I do believe there's there's a wow. fine. Yeah. No, I believe wow. it. I believe it because I came up with in the adult league with a chance to win it in the top of the ninth, and uh, my colon shrunk. <laughs> you got <laughs> so, the tight, tight yeah, butthole. Tight butthole. But I, yeah. I do think there is a – you cannot simulate like in-game feelings, in-game emotion, in-game action. Like the intensity just isn't there. So with Gonzalez, yeah, I'd rather have him at this point because he's actually been in games. Whereas Keiko like – there's still, you'd have to give him a couple of weeks, if not more, in the minors. Like, I feel like you can sign Gonzalez today and he could start tomorrow. Gonzalez, he he does walk, guys, but he also gets you ground balls. Yeah. I was looking at fan graphs again today. Oh, you handsome he man. Gets, he Did gets you have your, your propeller hat on? He gets you ground balls. He gets you soft contact. Um, lower than the league. Yeah. Lower than the rest of the league as, as soon as last year. But, like... I'm so proud of you. If... Any infield can handle soft ground balls. It's going to be our infield. Oh yeah, you know what I mean. So I think we'll be fine. That's why I want a guy like uh, Gonzalez to come in, and and it's not like I want Gonzalez to come in because I feel like he's going to provide like anything of major value for us outside of eating innings. I want a he's guy that can be eat an innings. average major league starter. That's really all we need at this point. Yeah. So I mean, it's either I think it's one of two things. You can't have it both ways. It's either you go the route that we were talking about the whole podcast earlier with the bringing up. Uh, Quantro bringing up Logan Allen and doing the piggyback route. It's either that or Gio Gonzalez. You don't have you don't have both. 
Yeah. In my opinion. Would you go with a six man if they got Geo? Just to... Yeah. It doesn't hurt. That way you, you stretch Paddock out later. That's in the exactly year. what I was thinking. Yeah. It's only to stretch out Paddock. I care less about the other guys. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So Thanks, I, Alec. Yeah, thank you, Alec. That's a great question. But um I think we'll I think we'll cut it off here. Do you have anything else before we're done? Uh, no, no, I think uh, that's about it. This was a very odd uh, Padres Twitter segment. It was. You know, I really hope that the Padres turn it around this next week because... Now, what do you mean by turning it around? Now, win! <laughs> no, win! But, what the but, fuck do you think of me? Not, not, obviously you want them to win, but like, they went, so they were 11-6 and six, and then they went, uh, what, 1-5? in five? So like, are you like turning around like, I want them to go like, in their next 10, 5-5? Five and five? Do you want him to go rattle off some more series wins and then get back to two or three games above 500 again? Like, to me, I want them. I want them to go six and four in their next ten. I'll take that. I was gonna say like I'd like to see 500 or better, and I'd like to see continuous development of their. Uh, I want to see Hosmer guys, yeah. continue to crawl out of his slump. I want to see that um, and hit the ball in the air. Yeah, I want to see Myers continue to do what he's doing. I want to see Margot continue to do what he's doing. Tatis. We didn't even touch on Margot. Like yeah, we were we supposed did. to touch on all the good stuff going on. Like Margot. There's not, there's not a lot at this up. point. I love focusing on the shit. Yeah. Um, but it's easier yeah. to complain. You know, speaking of complaining, dude, last year, do you remember the bit on uh, Ben and Woods? Every time after Padres lost, Friar Phil would call them. <laughs> Yeah. So I don't know if it's because I went big time for one hour and I'm former 1090 employee, but for whatever reason, Friar Phil, we've been losing all week, so Friar Phil took it upon himself to call the 5.5 Oh, podcast. wow. Oh. Hi, guys. Friar Phil here. What the fuck is wrong with this goddamn team? Machado fucking sucks. Hey, shut up back there. I'm on the fucking phone. God damn it. <laughs> fuck. I lost what I fucking forgot to say. God. They can't even talk now. Fucking forgot what I was going to say. Fuck you guys, too. Come on. Good luck. I have to tell you to go fuck ourselves. We'll see you guys next week. <laughs> We're out of here. <laughs>